straight out of the heart of Texas, here come the students of conflict, helping you become a better Malifaux player and reach the top of the podium, one game at a time. of conflict uh we're clay nick and doug or i guess just doug because life happens but anyway we're trying to become better malifaux players leveling up ourselves and hopefully helping others level up as well we do that by interviewing top third players from the lone star conference playing malifaux tournaments across the united states and the world sometimes we're not trying to capture their entire tournament journey. We want to take an in-depth look at a single game from each of our guests. What were key decisions they made before the game, during the game, and now looking back at the game, what were things they learned and can pass on to others? So our basic format is we're going to interview the guests all at once, as soon as possible after the tournament. That way, it's all fresh in their minds, and we can get some good cross-flow between the guests. But rather than publishing one long marathon podcast, we break it up, releasing one individual podcast per guest, helping people level up one game at a time. Today, we're talking to Jonathan. Hello. Andre. Hello, everyone. And Brian. Hello. They came in uh, second, first, and third place, respectively. At the November Malifaux Monthly Tournament held in Houston on November 11th, 2023. And we'll be releasing our discussions with them as episodes 12A through C. You'll notice things are a little bit weird today because Clay has family stuff and uh, Nick had to cancel last minute because, well, he flipped the Black Joker IRL. <laughs> so now we are talking to Mr. Brian. How are you Yo. doing, today, Brian? Living the dream. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I got third place. So I'm uh, enjoying my podium. The fruits of all your labors. So I mean, yeah. it's not really that many labors to get here. <laughs> and now, the, by speaking of fruits, what percentage fruits is that? Like 10%? Like, like uh, You know, I feel like I'm more than a couple of percent, so like 20, 25%. Ooh, okay, okay. That's, okay. Like, there we go. that's some high quality, like uh, yeah. whole foods. Yeah, that's like uh, some fruits. sprouts stuff right there. Yeah, that's yeah a... that is some fancy fruits of your labor. I think you could actually call that a cocktail and not just a juice, a juice drink. So you, uh, yeah, yeah, upgrade there. And once again, we're on the this uh, show. Uh, you weren't here earlier, Brian. You I'm showed sorry. Up a little bit. No, you showed up a little bit late. But the, we're gradually turning this podcast into a travel cooking blog. Mm -hmm. Travel oh. food blog. Yeah, mm -hmm. travel food blog is what we're gradually doing here. So I can bring the vegan aspect to your travel food blog. Hey, dude, mm -hmm. I have yeah. tried that vegan food that you make, and it is fucking delicious. And everyone did love my vegan cookies at that one tournament. So, they're amazing. Those were I missed out the. Oh no, I did get those. Okay, so those this vegan. is like a year ago. Yeah, yeah those oh, are yeah. vegan. And they were, they were pretty. Good. They were super and delicious and beautiful. Yeah, they're way too much work. They're like six hours to make. Oh, so God. I will never do that again. I mean, I'm certain you could make them just the cookie and just yeah. icing, as opposed to fancy ass decorating. Doing Ooh. all the Malipo symbols on the top. Yeah, that, that took. <laughs> A long time. <laughs> they tasted better because they looked good. Mm -hmm. Truly. Yeah. 
You eat with your eyes. <laughs> Never born. <laughs> Is this a Capelli's joke? Hold on. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I really have no clue what's happening anymore. I don't have any chaperones here today. It's wild and wheeling and all Doug host episodes. So it's going to be kind of weird and loosey goosey. And I don't know. I think I think uh, Doug wanted to ask you what your favorite holiday food was. Yes, mm-hmm. icebreaker. So, uh, because you know we were a little delayed on recording because you know Thanksgiving and that's holiday season. What is your favorite holiday dish? Uh, pumpkin pie by far. Mm. Just crushes everything. Mm. So good, but 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 without whipped cream on it. I don't really care for whipped cream, but like just pie. It's just so good. That's a strong stance to take. I know. It's that's why I had to say it. It's because everyone's like, "Oh yeah, pumpkin pie with the the icing on top or the whipped cream mm-hmm. on top." Oh, it's so good. No, 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 no. Like that. That just I do ruins a barbarian the pie. style. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just it's just cook a whole pumpkin. It is pudding <laughs> and crust. Well, okay. So, what do you do to make the pumpkin pie vegan then? Because normally that's got eggs and milk in it. I mean, you can just buy vegan uh, pie crust. That's what we do. Well, like the the filling itself, though, has got usually has got the uh, conde- sweetened condensed milk and a couple eggs in there. Um, it uses uh, coconut milk and coconut cream. Okay. Instead, and that gives nice. it that nice filling. Um, mm. and I you can't tell a difference between the two. That's awesome. But between vegan and non-vegan with pumpkin pie, it tastes the exact same. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. I mean, it's a, it's a custard thing, so so long as you've got it to set up the custard properly it's yeah and also despite being born in october i think pumpkin tastes terrible so i'm sure <laughs> there'd be no difference for me <laughs> oh, ryan did you need a couple seconds there i did i'm very sorry i didn't want to like interrupt the flow so what's that oh no worries yeah go do your thing we'll just stand here and riff on pumpkin pie yep Dude, i love yeah. pumpkin pie. i made a kick-ass pumpkin pie mm. for uh for thanksgiving so, Andre, at this point, two out of two of our favorite foods are orange, which means you need to uh, start thinking quickly about your favorite oh, man. orange holiday food. <laughs> I like uh, oranges. <laughs> uh, Capri Sun. Capri Sun. <laughs> orange Capri Sun. Uh, uh, carrots. Uh, um, uh, holiday food. We eat it for Easter or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's why I phrase the way it is there, because, you know what, sometimes there's like that Easter food, maybe? I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Do people like well, specific People Easter do like New Year's and stuff, too. Yeah. Oh, man. I, You know what? Maybe this year for New Year's, I should do my New Year's, the tradition I grew up with. But I haven't done it in a few years. Oh. Well, no, I mean, it's not. It's going to sound somewhat unapp- uh, unappetizing to a lot of you. But my family, you always had to have sauerkraut on New Year's Day. And you had to have eat at least one bite of sauerkraut for uh for good luck okay and growing up i didn't really like sauerkraut so my parents always like no you still have to eat some and i'd mix they say mix it in your mashed potatoes but i love oh interesting sauerkraut. oh yeah but i love sauerkraut now and mm-hmm. so i've not done a pork roast and sauerkraut in a couple of years i really want to do that that sounds pretty good but yeah I'm, show notes i'm writing this down yeah so my family has a dish that i've christened the blitz um <laughs> It's uh, much less exciting than it sounds, uh, but it's a, a bed of sauerkraut with, uh, and then you, the, the combination is uh, you dice potatoes, kielbasa sausage, uh, onions, and apples, 
Okay. And you and you toss it all in uh, brown sugar, okay. and you let that cook down for like 20, 25 minutes, and you put that over the sauerkraut. It's Dude, so good. So I, I hear you on the sauerkraut train. And it's like ninety five percent vegan. So like you yeah, you just, that to Brian, you would have no idea. <laughs> Except for the kielbasa, <laughs> you're in there. It's, like, it's only five percent. It's like that's nothing. Well, you could find some vegan sausage. I'm sure you could. Yeah, no, that's a thing. We do a lot of vegan, like um, uh, kolaches. God, it's like pigs in a blanket. Um, kolaches, kolaches, not kolaches, like the little mini ones. There's a Polish name for it. Mini kolaches. Mini kolaches. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but yeah, we we have a vegan one that's really good. Sounds real good. Oh, and that vegan scramble you made for us at uh, when we were camping around for oh, that was good. I didn't even make it. <laughs> I just sent you the recipe though, right? Yeah, you did. You did. I just okay, have okay. to actually make it. Anyway, right. So back to the Malifaux Cooking Road Show. <laughs> <laughs> so what meal? I'm sorry. What round are you talking about today? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna talk about round one because I feel like that's the most interesting round. Okay, what makes the most interesting? Um, it wasn't a complete shutout one way or the other. Okay, let me see. Because yeah. round two, I got shut out, and round three, I shut out my opponent. So, like, we're not. There's nothing to really talk about in those rounds other than uh, I lost horribly. <laughs> Can you describe that in great detail? detail? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So how, myself, did it feel how do I bury the body? Absolutely dumpster. <laughs> right. It felt it felt bad. It showed me the error of my ways. We should just do like a pod where it's like, how do you emotionally recover from a one step? <laughs> like, <laughs> That'd be a good podcast. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, I and... think. Uh, I mean, I've lost two eight my round two, so you know what? I can definitely do that right now. You just speak it up. Well, you know how I recover. Chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> okay. So talking about round one, uh, looks like that is your playing in the game against Mr. Cameron there. And that's going to be the Raid the Vaults. Yes. Which is very similar to Guard the Stash, but with important differences. So before the tournament... How much of a chance did you have to look at gaining ground seasons for before this tournament started? Because I know you're not able to play in person as much lately due to, you know, kids and such. Surprisingly, I played three games that week before the tournament uh, against Andre. (laughs) Um, To, like, try to figure out gaining grounds. Uh, And I wasn't even sure if I was going to go to the tournament. I was just trying to play with gaining grounds, and then it turned out that I could go. So it was a nice little surprise. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I only had a little bit of practice, but I wasn't going into this full depth, breadth and scope of what I could do and all the different options. I was just, let's see what's going to happen here. Um, I even brought a master that I've never run in a tournament, and I've only played one time previously. So, okay. well, I played twice against Andre that week, but one time before that entire week in the three years uh, third edition has been out, so and then that's uh, the Karai envoy, envoy of the court, right? Yeah, Karai in general, but yes, uh, I brought Karai uh, spicy version. Ooh, very mm, brave. Extra spicy. Mm. Yes. So, was there something saucy about Karai too that you were like, "This is the round for her"? No, not at all. I just <laughs> want to run Karai. Um, mm. <laughs> the intent was to 
play her three games in the competitive setting to try to figure out what works, what doesn't work, and get a handle of the crew. Because um, obviously, like we said, I don't play that much. I don't get a lot of practice time in. So my only real reps I get in normally is at these tournaments. So, Got it. So I assume that there wasn't any uh, thought into what Cameron was going to play. You were like, oh, man, I'm worried about this pick. Or you're just oh. like, I'm going to play Karai, and if he brings the hard <laughs> counter, so be it. That is exactly what happened. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, I, I The only other master I brought was Jack. Uh, Jack Doll, mm. and that was intentionally in case I faced you, Andre. <laughs> so, literally, that was the only reason my tray was as a I cannot run Karai into Nakima. It's impossible. Yeah. As we tested the entire week. Yep. Uh, so I needed an answer. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, um, so before the game started, uh, so let's see the uh, the pool. Uh, I guess it was uh, round one, so standard deployment. We had Raid the Vaults, Power Ritual, In Your Face, Hold Up Their Forces, Protected Territory, and Ensnare. So when you were looking at that uh, scheme and strategy pool, did that end up affecting your you know, crew composition at all? Um, it did. So uh, I had a list that I, I was going to run as a general list, and I did some audibles um, to try to mix it up a little bit by bringing a Shikome. Um, I guess I should say what my list was. I can pull it up. Uh, it's Karai Envoy with the Whisper, obviously. Kirio, Datsubao with the Whisper, Lost Love, Two Enslaved Spirits, a Sheshin, a Gwisin with Grey Spirit's Touch, and a Shikome with Grey Spirit's Touch. Mm. Um, and normally it's two Gwisin instead of the Shikome, but uh, I figured that the Shikome could run around my opponent because he uh, had declared Mayfang 2. Um, and yes, Mayfang 2 is mobile, but she's mobile with her scrap markers. So if I can get away from the scrap markers, mm. she's pretty slow, right? You can sort of just like run around her. Um, and so I figured maybe the Shikome can go up a flank, and either he can send his crew off to the side to try to deal with her, uh, or he's going to come hit my main bubble uh, so I did audible Shikome in there, which turned out to be the right call for the game. That's awesome. So now, uh, which schemes did you end up taking? Uh, I ended up running with uh, hold up their forces because that's the obvious easy one with Karai, right? Like just really cheap summons that summon into base with you. So hold up is easy points. Uh, and then power ritual because of the idea was, like I said, to run around him um with my models you know you've got the lost love who can teleport with by your side i've got uh the shikoma you can run up to the side of the board uh datsuba can sort of be a little bit mobile and she can also make other models move i've got the cheap insulated spirits i can also throw stuff around so i figured i could uh get around him to handle everything um and it ended up working so uh you know i i won eight five this game I don't know if that's a spoiler, if that I should sold that to the end. Um, <laughs> Take us point by point, Brian. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> first AP, the last yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, no, then no, what? But, but no, so uh, essentially, um, what was really clutch, I think, in that game from the beginning was I deployed my Shikome uh, on a 
far flank on the opposite of his crew. And I ran her up the board and he had to make the decision of, am I going to throw stuff at her or am I going to let her run by me? Um, and he opted to, I think he only had a forgeling on that side. Uh, he opted to just let her be. It was like, you know what, you're, you're going to get power ritual. It's fine. You know, I'll just eat it and I'll just fight you in the middle and I'll win on points that way. And so he just like ignored the Shikome and she ended up scoring power ritual twice and she held uh, the the vault marker for two rounds. So she scored oh, wow. four points um, because he just did not mess with her. Um, didn't throw any bodies at it. None, not at all. He didn't touch her. He didn't even try. He didn't even try to divert towards her. Um, Post game, when we talked about it, he should have just ran the forging out and dropped the scrap marker so he could potentially go back there to harass her, and he just didn't do that. Um, and then hold up, like I said, was very easy because you just summon a bunch of models. And I'm trying to fight Mei Fang in the middle of our crew, who's a bubble crew, so it's very easy just to hold everything up in the middle, which was a good time. Um, what was uh, Cameron taking any heavy hitters, or was he doing more like a ping damage crew, Brian? Do you remember? Um, I don't have the list in front of me. It okay. was, I think it was a heavy hitter crew because it was uh, Master Totem. Uh, it was Henry, the Golem, okay. Forgeling, uh, some Gremlin model. I can't remember offhand. Oh, Sparks. Sparks. Spar- uh, Sparks, and it was the guy with the gun. Um, uh, Survivor? Survivor, that's who it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, and so what was great is that the problem with Mei Fang is a lot but uh <laughs> the scrap markers counting as pit traps is horrible i mean she just like gobbles up your crew with pit trap markers most of cry's crew is incorporeal so she doesn't nice. care about any of that oh. which you know turned out to be a counter that i wasn't planning on but it worked out really well in my yeah favor. that's helpful um Accidental he had, hard counter yeah i mean he had all these scrap markers out and they just weren't doing anything because he couldn't touch me mm. um and uh so the Shikome ran up one flank, Datsuba sort of like scooted around the other flank, which let the Lost Love teleport to her because by your side is a broken ability. Um, <laughs> and then she just, the Lost Love just ran and scored the other points. Um, he tried to go back and defend it, but he just wasn't fast enough. Not with how I was trying to hold him up, you know? Cool. During the game, what were some other interesting lines of play and key decision points that really made it swing? Because of your games, this one was the closest. It was an 8-5 to five win. Mm-hmm. But 8-5 to five can swing surprisingly fast. Yeah, so he, he brought Ensnare and uh, Hold Up. And I'd focus on removing his low-cost models throughout that game. I mean, even his summons that he would bring out the little forgelings that he'd pop out i would kill those as soon as they had popped out essentially by the end of the game he didn't have anyone that could score hold up their forces because he just didn't have any cheap enough models mm. to score off of me he he did get ensnare twice because of i the second point i didn't try to stop it because i realized i scored eight i was like okay we can call it here like i'm done activating and he's like oh aha ensnare point two because you didn't move and i was like okay well that's fine i'll just eat it um not a big deal got to look at ensnare. Like, how do you score ensnare? That's one I don't have memorized yet. So ensnare is the first. The first point is two scheme markers near a model that then activates. Oh yeah, that's the one that happens at the start of a model's activation. Yes, so they activate 
with markers and he scores you score the point uh and i think it's two scheme markers at the end of the game by model um i think that's how it is yep yep okay and so uh i had it i sort of messed up on that Mm -hmm. because I guess he was going for ensnare. Like I saw him drop the two ski markers down and I went, Oh, he's going for ensnare. Let me activate this model to move it out of the bubble. Not thinking. And he tagged me for the point. Uh, when <laughs> I could just activate the Gwissin and just trail a Gordon picked it, it up yeah. and then ignored it. Right. Well, that's definitely one of those learning moments with the, yes. Oh, right. Remembering when the uh, different schemes score, it seems like there's a wider diversity of scoring timings in yes. Gaining Grounds 4, because there's some at, at the start of the activation. Uh, I know they changed in your face to be when you actually do it, so you don't have to remember it. Because that, was, that people, was dumb. Well, people yeah. always screwed that one up, because people was like, okay, I got it in your face. It's like, well, technically you could declare that at the end of the turn, but now I know you got it, but... And now it's you declare it when. Yeah, it's like, oh, I forgot to declare it last round. Can you give me the point? Because I did do it. Uh, You didn't declare it. So, uh, I mean, I don't think I've ever had that happen, but it's just one of those weird things that could come up. Well, you always had to just ominous about it because there there is stuff that cares. Like one of the Explorer Society upgrades cares about the timing of scoring the scheme. But you Mm. just want to be like, I'm just going to point out that that eight cost or higher model died near my master. No reason, just thought it was interesting. Like it's, yeah. it's so, <laughs> such a stupid timing. So I'm glad they fixed well, that. Well, I mean, it, it, it's like three inch, you know, range, which is you. You kind of have to measure that out. You can't just like eyeball it and say, yeah, it was probably right. three inches. It could have been three and a half. Like you, you know, you don't know. So it's not like it's in base context. So it's really good to point that out. Right. You know, when it happens, regardless. Yeah, like oh, I think it was three inches, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, right. Right. Instead of the oh, well, I killed that model. But was it within three inches at the time? Well, it's off the table. We can't go back and measure yeah. it. You know, there's no checking the tape. Right. Yep. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had anyone call that out, you know, in the wrong way of, oh, I don't think that was within three, or I think that was out, or you didn't right. declare it. Like, I don't think I've ever had that negative experience with that scheme. But the timing is fixed, and that's nice. Yeah, um, that's I, I really do like the schemes in GG4 in general. They're... They're nice. Brian, while, while Doug's distracted, how many uh-huh. times were you able to get your chain spirit ability off in this game? Do you remember? Uh, I summoned four or five models this game. Okay, that's awesome. Uh, and so that's something I realized with Cry 2 is she lives and dies by those summons. So, you know, this game, I think I got four or five summons. Game two, I didn't get a single summon. And oh, I interesting. lost two eight. Uh, and then game three, I got three summons turn one and then two more summons on turn two and it just snowballed uh so what i realized with karai is you have to get those summons otherwise her crew just gets blown off the table very quickly uh and that's why andre's like you're an idiot for not running to Gwissin all the time because that's how you <laughs> get those models out but you know it's fine for those of us who haven't played against karai too how does karai go about summoning her models yeah, so Cry has this ability called Chain Spirit. Uh, so after an action in which an enemy model within eight inches of her is moved through by a friendly Arami model that costs five or more, which is the uh, the eroded change to the card before it was just any Arami model, which is really 
broken. Mm. Um, but now that's cost five or more. Uh, and then they have to take a willpower duel uh, on a... Tw- it's a 12, 12 willpower duel. Uh, if they fail it, you summon a Arami minion that costs four or less in base contact. And they come in with slow. Once they fail this duel, they don't have to take it again for the rest of that turn. Mm. So the idea is to go through it multiple times until they eventually fail. And the way you get this ability to trigger is with adversary. So mm. on Karai's front of card, like normally adversary is, oh, I get plus flips to hit you. She has an ability called Revenge, where um, any models with adversary or Rami within eight inches of her suffer a negative to willpower duels generated by her or a Curio. Mm. Um, and also, if they target her, it's a negative as well, but that doesn't matter for this. So, it's a 12 willpower duel on a negative if they mm. have adversary. So, I mean, what, your average willpower is a five, so a seven on two cards is not common. Right. Uh, and honestly, if you flip an eight and a ten to pass it, I feel like I'm ahead on the card mechanic game because your deck is now a little bit worse. Yeah. Um. So it's just it's really good uh, when you're just like busting through models. Um. So obviously they can charge through because they're ghosts. They can walk through, and then she also has the ability called Swirling Spirits, where she can just target multiple Arami models and just push them five inches in any direction. And so they just push out and pulse through and cause a bunch of willpower duels. It's uh, it's really nice. Um, I I thought when I first played it, it was a little kooky, is a little weird to try to get to go off and have to worry about trying to get adversary out the right ways. Um, but once you start getting the timings on it, it uh, it feels pretty good. And I'm looking at that. So it's you're summoning literally any time this happens. Mm-hmm. So it's you're summoning outside of her turn, which is a uh, really yes. interesting mechanic yes yeah and and there is a kooky thing where if like let's say that they do an ability that pushes your model and they for some reason push it through their own models that can cause the duels to happen um no one's ever going to do that so for new players do not do this because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you're just giving her free models but yes so it's out of activation summoning for her which is just wonderful so typically you want to run you know Tukwis and Datsuban and Akirio to like run through models and try to force these duels out. Um, and then, you know, she gets Gaki in base with you, which have a zero inch reach. So you can't really get away from them. Uh, you also get Enslaved Spirits. You know, if they have focus, Enslaved Spirits can deny you from using your focus, uh, which is fun. Uh, <laughs> and then they drop schemes when you kill them, which is really good in this GG. Right. Yes. Yeah. Schemes are great so oh here's my model kill it and give me a ski marker which give me a point i appreciate that um and then chestion which can give you cards as i kill them so it's just it's a lot of fun inter- interactions with her that gives her a lot of options and so that's why i said you know when you when you're getting those summons off it that's when her crew feels good and if you cannot get them off like she just she falls apart and she's worthless which I mean, confirmed very well into my test games with Andre, right? My test games with Andre showed that uh, without the summons, like, she died. So I was like, oh, it'll be fine. I'll <laughs> uh, I'll run her this weekend, and it'll be good, and I'll just make sure I get them, get them out. And I ran into my game two, and my opponent was just like, nah, you're not going to get any summons. I'm just going to top deck all these duels, even on negatives, <laughs> uh, and you're just going to die. It was, it was rough. 
also i think that game i ran to shikome so like yeah yeah <laughs> so brian how do you feel shikome pair into this whole chain spirits thing because they're not incorporeal right they don't, they don't help <laughs> at all. Not at all. yeah but the list i settled on does run a shikome for that running around scheming while still having to glisten so perfect i still have the best of all worlds the double question con yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not busted it's not no no, no. <laughs> not was, it, was fine. this a you shared with me uh early the, the other day or was that today or no i shared with you a molly list today okay oh my god that i don't know was... uh, i had a lot of fun with last night <laughs> <laughs> it was great <laughs> is it crack bats fun <laughs> uh it's crack bats adjacent yeah <laughs> i mean it's just as annoying but it's more annoying in the sense of scoring points and denying points rather than just killing your models with failed duels so mm. like yeah it, it felt really good <laughs> poor john <laughs> yeah. all right so what would you say was the mvp model of your crew this game and why was it the shikomi <laughs> right. it's a Shikomi. by far it's a Shikomi. i mean she scored half my points but i mean that's that's only because he let it happen right if, if he would have killed her you know we we rewind and he chases her down and tries to harass her i probably still score one point from power ritual and then he has to send something after her which it makes the rest of his bubble weaker and i'm able to handle the middle a lot more um so i don't know if that would have She'd probably still be the MVP because she would have peeled something important out of the bubble he was using to try to hold me up. So uh, she's just, she's fast. She, she drops game markers. I wish she had a bonus that was better, but you know, she can't have everything. No. Well, I mean, they're, they're, they're somewhat dangerous with, it was like a two, three, six damage track. So if, if you send something after Shikome, it has to actually have some, you know, yeah. weight to it. And if if you send something that's not gonna hurt her, and she kills it, she just got significantly better. Oh yeah, good point. She gets her uh, her soul hunter upgrade, so you can't try to stop her with like a little scheme runner. You have to send something medium to worthwhile. You know, yeah, worthwhile to go handle her, and that's something that's not in the middle dealing with Karai, the Kario, the Gwisin. Uh, right. That's just not handling the meat of the crew. Um, so I think that's why I was like, ooh, I think I have to run at least one of these <laughs> because, you know, you're it puts you in a bad spot of do I leave her alone to let her score or do I cut off 10 points to go deal with this while I fight this summoning crew that's going to overwhelm me with little trash models. Yeah, I was just looking at Shikomi there going like, ooh, ooh, girl. Ooh. Yeah. yeah she's six uh, with puncture access? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Not Ooh, and then, yeah. then, oh, I killed something. So you kill some stupid little trash mob and go, sweet, I am glorious now. I get all the triggers. Yes. <laughs> well, and, you know, in my very limited experience with this GG, like if you're not doing the same thing that your opponent is, if you're picking completely different schemes, like you have some really hard decisions to make. Like a, if you see a Shikome rushing past you, how much resources are you willing to, you know, put into stopping that? Mm, and right. it's like, do you even have the resources to stop it and still score your points? And, and usually the answer is no. Right. That's something I've noticed about the GG is the more AP you have, the better. And right. I think that the game is going to scale away from Kilifo and elite murdery crews and go more towards wider crews. 
cheaper models that can do multiple things that can spend the AP and, you know, drop the three AP on the ballots at your home in your home area, because right. you have the spare AP to do it. I'm not saying it's good. Don't do it. But, <laughs> um, I, I think that's the way this is going to go, uh, as things evolve. And that's why I think the Shikome is going to be really, really good in GG Forest because she's going to be able to kill all that trash. She's going to be able to hunt down your little <laughs> scheme marker. That's she finally has a job. Runner. Yeah, she has a great job. And when she does her job, she becomes a good girl. She's she rewarded. rewarded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and we've got, you know, coming out soon, TM, the Ashes of Malifaux. So then we're going to have to see, well, how does that affect things? Because that's going to be interesting uh, i'm not looking forward to um the the last of us zombies <laughs> just Ooh, mushrooms right. and fungus oh yeah. yeah it doesn't excite me <laughs> you used to really like your zombie crew yeah that's... are those the wrong flavor of zombies yeah i the problem is i i started in reservoirs because i love the idea of just zombies and there is no zombies anymore like it's just gone uh, I blame Lady Justice. You should. She yeah. just killed the the main the main dude, and now it's uh, it's weird. It's just different. I mean, you can always run Asura Rotten and uh, don't throw in your Rabble Risers. Don't even. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. I'm not burning soul stones to summon a Mila Zombie. Uh, right, it's just okay. not happening. Oh man, I love how terrible Asura Rotten is. <laughs> oh, I know because of she was so good. She in was second oh, edition. She was horribly broken and you have to admit she was horribly broken. oh she was it was it was wonderful i loved it oh god i hated that so much god. uh yeah no I, I i wish it was slightly better huh it's having flashbacks there oh. yeah um but yeah no like i'm sure i'm sure it'll be fine i'm sure i'll be good i'm just not excited but I mean, it's interesting, like, so we've totally destabilized the game state, and I don't know how many months it's going to take for that book to come out, but that's going to be another, like, huge rapid shift within a few months, so it's, it's going to be kind of like, a, you know, the Wild West of Malifo, I think at least for a little bit. Where no but, one knows what they're doing. And... Yeah. It was supposedly coming out in the fall. We're knocking on the door of winter now, so uh, honestly, releases for pretty much every company right now out there is messed up still. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm okay with the delay though. Uh, like, it's it's fine. Let's get used to GG four, and then right. give us a new shiny in three or four months. Uh, hey, here's something new to try. Um, because I mean, apparently, I'm still experimenting with masters I've never really played before. Because I've never played Garai, and I'm trying her out. I'm also trying out Oh, McMorning too. Is uh -huh. another one I've been looking at recently. Just trying something different than the shtuk routine i've been on for three years mm -hmm. it's just it's a little boring at this point well yeah like you know masters like mcmorning too seem really fun and it's possible that they're actually viable now with you know the new strats and schemes so it, it, it's nice to go back to these things that have been sitting on your shelf for a while and actually pull them out and and, and actually be be you know hopeful for a chance at a win yeah i know i know i've been uh pulling out some cruises like okay to learn the gaining grounds, I'm going to bring back crews that I haven't played in a while. It's like, okay, putting a bunch of Titania on the board or throwing, you know, the stupid Titania dinosaur Marcus list on the board or just trying a few things. It's like tried and true, but I haven't played in a while because they didn't have as much juice in GG3. Right. Yeah. And just trying something that's like, ooh, old favorites. 
and then hey and trying out new things like i've been having fun with um a stupid nikema list that was glorious that i'm certain we'll talk about later (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure there's a lot of jank that's going to come out with this gg um as people try to figure out how to break these um because like (laughs) fighting the fighting gg of gg3 was just like how much ass can you beat in a single round? <laughs> um, and there are limits to push on that one, but it's yeah. not necessarily fun when it's uh, your ass getting beat. So <laughs> I think uh, turning Malifaux back to Malifaux from Killifaux, I think is going to do a lot of people a lot of good. I yeah. think. Yeah, I mean, that's why I've been looking at McMorning too, because I feel like he suffered so hard in Killifaux, but now... It, it, if it goes away of where people are going to start going more wide with their crews and bringing cheaper models, he'll actually be able to shine because his, his uh, keyword is terrible. Mm. <laughs> but they're cheap. Right. They can be efficient with the upgrades. Um, I mean, like, oh, they went through a ski marker and got the ski marker upgrade. Okay, you hit them. They drop the ski marker to score points, right? Like, that's there's a mm. lot of fun little kooky things you could do with these crews have been collecting dust for the last two or three years. Um, and that that's actually really exciting for me. The quick read I've got on it is that while there is definitely more of a move back towards, you know, interacty, schemey stuff, it feels like there is more different timings of scoring, different right. way different ways to make those interacts happen because I, for one, I did not like Gaining Grounds 2 very much. Gaining Grounds 2 felt too, all right, I'm going to run around and be tricksy and be, oh, you can't hit me because it doesn't matter, and just being nothing but tricksiness. Mm -hmm. Gaining Grounds 3 steered a little bit away from that, which, personally, I enjoyed that. But it feels like it's not quite as tricksy scheming as GG2. But that's just, I mean, I've not played enough games of GG4 yet to really get the full feel on it. Yeah, uh, I would agree. It doesn't feel as tricksy. But, I mean, the schemes are definitely a lot more schemey. I think when, uh, like, losing Assassinate and Vendetta. And Hidden Martyrs. And Hidden Martyrs. I think those three schemes that got dropped changed the game state quite a bit. Agreed. Well, those were three that. Honestly, if one of those were in the pool, chances are I was going to take one of those. Yep. Almost every single time. Yeah, and now it's like, oh, maybe I don't need to worry about my master getting bodied on turn two. Right. Because assassinates on the pool, and they need to spend more time dropping scheme markers and interacting. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be very... It's going to be different, and I'm looking forward to see how this shakes out. I think having um, crews or masters that are quote-unquote force multipliers is going to be a big thing because like having it where it's like hey i make my making the entire crew more efficient or having things where maybe you're not you know going for the big heavy hitter master but more of a support match who makes everyone else function better could be a strong pick there i think I'm suspicious that you are probably looking at your Marcus one going, this is viable again. <laughs> this is what this sounds like. <laughs> oh, the support master that can make other things better and then not hit that hard. Like 
Sounds well, like I was also play. thinking Titania. Titania uh, too. Okay. Because yeah, Titan- Titania too is the hey, you get the you get those little bubbles of Titania, and you got that reach all over the table. It's an interesting thought. So Brian, for the bottom third of players playing into Hey, yeah, yeah. Are we still recording? I'm sorry. We're just here, like it's just. Hey, see, this is why. Sorry, people. and Nick, because I just whatever. I'll just talk to you guys all night long because I like talking to you guys. So back on track, gentlemen. Thank you, Andre. You're welcome. He's like, I want to talk now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what advice would you give to a player facing your crew for the first time? Mm. The biggest thing to watch out for in to cry, if it's the first time, is those summons and making sure you have the cards in hand to cheat to either deny the adversary in order to pass those willpower duels. maybe bring stuff that prevents you know placement or prevents summoning you have to be very careful with your placements and those summons because of let's say that you run three models grouped up together i'm gonna throw a glisten through all three of those i will spend two ap doing that to make you take three duels to have three chances of summoning a model uh so you have to be very conscious of her summons as a new player and what would you say would be some bad gotcha moments against a Karai crew? It would be the same thing, unfortunately. Because summons, okay. yeah, I think the summoning, even out of activation summoning, which you nailed earlier, is what surprises people. Because if most summon masters go, I'm gonna spend AP and actions to summon, but she doesn't have to. Her, she can just have a model walk through you and start bringing uh, bodies on the board to provide the AP I need to overwhelm you. And if you're not ready for that, you're going to have a bad time. I, I think for bottom third players, you also have to think, think about vengeance as well mm. Be, mm. because vengeance can be a really painful experience. And it definitely changes your thoughts about if I want to actually attack this thing or not. That's true. So Especially it, with it, with vengeance too. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. It can, it can really change your decision-making. Right. Do you really want to get swing at a model with a one, two, three when you're going to get a damage yeah. back? Or... <laughs> right. Yeah. It definitely changes the uh, mindset of how you play into Malifos because you you don't want to take the damage and you have to watch your placement to keep her from summoning out of activation. Yeah. Cool. So now, what advice would you give to kind of a middle third player? You know, someone who's experienced, maybe he's ran into Karai before, uh, looking to give you a challenging game and, you know, hoping if they keep their gameplay tight that they might actually, you know, uh, take you down. So the biggest thing to watch out for is you want to try to burn the Gwissen down without taking the Vengeance back, like the Vengeance damage back. And the way you do that is by forcing them to spend cards on take the hit. Mm. So you shoot mm. their juicy model, force them to drop a card out of hand, place the Gwissen, get shot and they don't vengeance back because you didn't technically target that model. Yep. So vengeance doesn't trigger. Uh, if you can kill those Gwissen early enough, the amount of summon power that the crew has goes significantly down because at that point, you, at least for me, I have Datsuba and Akirio. And Akirio is going to die every turn. Uh, so whenever she's resummoned, she comes in with staggered so she can't be pushed. 
and she's moved three after the stagger. So if you can remove the Gwissen, a lot of Karai's power goes way down. And you want to do it while getting around the Vengeance. So force him to use take the hit, and then also do big, chunky uh, hits of damage to make sure that they die before the Vengeance triggers. How many wounds does a Gwissen have? So obviously incorporeal, but... Obviously incorporeal, so they are seven. So they're, they're seven life. So you probably need two solid hits to take them out, like two big hits. Mm-hmm. And if you can get one one of those hits using take the hit, that's going to help you significantly. And usually the Gwissen are going to have Grey Spirit's touch on them, which gives them healing and terrifying. Terrifying doesn't matter for take the hit. That also goes through that tech. So you want to force them to use that ability to keep Karai alive. One, um, Blasts and Shockwaves also don't proc Vengeance, right? Yep, correct. Because it's only actions that are targeting and damaging this model. So if you attack the model and you miss, or you do zero damage because it's incorporeal, you don't take Vengeance back. Mm. But with that Vengeance too, you want to make sure you're doing big, chunky bits of damage. And doing what you can to get around that ability. Cool. So, what advice would you give a top third player? And, you know, what would you wish you'd <laughs> done di- differently this game? And what have you learned this game? Um, Kill Karai. That's, at the mm. end of the day, if you can remove Karai, everything falls apart. You can't really score your schemes because you can't bring out the models. You can't summon your chat that you need to deny them. So if you have a way of removing her, even though this this edition isn't kill a foe anymore, uh, which I, I feel bad saying that because in the previous episode, we're like, oh, don't play kill a foe, but kill Dreamer early. And do the same <laughs> yeah. thing, this is kill a foe, but kill Karai. <laughs> so... Just body masters. The game's so much easier <laughs> that way. I mean, that's exactly what Jonathan said with Dreamer. It's like, so don't play kill a foe, but play kill a foe on this model. Yes. I mean, and that's the thing is, be, and I think it's important because like what John said with, with Dreamer is we're talking about summoning masters. You need to body summoning masters. Right. Like there's, there's no way around it. There is no, oh, just let them summon and go do your own thing because you're going to lose the AP game. Right. And GG4 is all about AP efficiency. And so if you're just letting your opponent summon these chaff models, they're going to go drop scheme markers and deny you dropping your own scheme markers. You're going to lose this game. Yeah. And you need to remove that summoning master as early as possible. Uh, and that, that include like, that's going to require you to punch her to force the take the hits. That's going to make force you to either reposition her out of the take the hit range uh, or do blast on her or shockwaves. But, um, anything you can do to kill her or even just remove her, her hand because she doesn't have a lot of card efficiency. There are, she is very squishy as long as you don't have adversary. So, because that, that's a, her only defensive tech is, haha, you have adversary, you're on negatives to hit me. But yeah. And I guess different for this game, I don't know if I would do much, if anything, that differently other than not be like oh i'll just call it here and i will score scored eight four and played into i think andre no i'll play it into yeah i'll play into andre round two i think 
So in fact, you prefer that you did not that you let him score. That's true. Submarine, dodge the big boys for the final round. You'll take a solid third. No, I was really looking forward to playing Jack Doll and Tion round two. Please get degrees. Okay, yeah, fair enough. That was the one round that he's gonna be good into into Nakima. Round three is gonna be really bad. So it's fine. Yeah, yeah. But I think in general to do better with with her it would be uh you have to bring the two in to summon the models and you have to spend time summoning those models so you have to spend your ap your thought your your thoughts your energy your cards you have to get those summons out otherwise cry falls apart and mm. so that is my takeaway from this whole tournament cool do you think uh this tournament was enough to add karai to your toolkit absolutely it was a lot of fun i don't know <laughs> if she's going to be one of my top masters uh but the problem is my my previous toolkit isn't as good anymore, mm. right? So mm-hmm. I loved I love Riva, I love Jack Daw, I love Von Stuck. I think Jack Daw's fallen off because of he doesn't he can't get around the board as quickly. At least mm-hmm. version one can't. And Riva just eh, she same thing. Um, so I'm looking for new tools and Karai Mage slot into there after this tournament. Nice. Cool. So, do you have any uh, plugs or parting thoughts before we go? Nope. I think everything is good on this side. Cool. But yeah. Uh, hey, everybody. Uh, thank you all so much for coming and uh, dealing with me as being the sole host today. <laughs> I know it was a little more scattered than normal without the uh, cat wrangler that is Clay. Well, thankfully, we had Andre here to keep us on point. So. <laughs> Always glad to be of service. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming. Appreciate it. Students of Conflict is brought to you by Top Dog Design. Check out topdogdesign.com for all of your Malfo terrain needs. Top Dog Design, 3D printable designs to enhance your tabletop. Students of Conflict is not an official product of Weird Miniatures LLC. All intellectual property belonging to Weird Miniatures is used with permission. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of entities they represent. Any content provided by our guests and or hosts are their opinion and not intended to malign any group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Woo! Super convinced.